Right, let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep, what's that little word? To keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy gates and on thy gates. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you know God? If you know him, do you love him? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I beg you tonight to fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. I pray you'd use the word of God, not only in my heart and my own life, but Lord, deal with us. May we allow the spirit of God to search us out. May we be honest tonight about the very clear truths that will be taught from this passage and others. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in every life and every heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to turn over to the book of Matthew chapter 22. Keep your hand here in Deuteronomy. We're coming back to it. But in Matthew chapter 22, we have a story where Jesus is asked a question by a lawyer. What is the great commandment? And Jesus gives the answer. Now let's, I'll read the story first of all. Beginning in verse 36 of Deuteronomy chapter 22. Where the scripture says, Master, well let me start a little earlier. Let's go back to verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. You might underline this, tempting him. It's a shame that that man was not asking to learn. He wasn't asking to know. He was asking to tempt him. He was one of those who did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was one of those who wanted to defame him any way that he could. But again, we read here, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, 
tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, where on earth did he get that? The question is asked, what's the great commandment? And Jesus quotes from this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Jews called this passage the Shema or the great law. And the passage normally begins with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Jesus says that is the great commandment. There is no commandment higher than this commandment. So we have it in the Old Testament. We have it in the New Testament. By the way, his death on the cross did not change what the great commandment is. Now, when he comes to asking Jesus this question, he answers from verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Notice, thou shalt love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. How are you doing with the great commandment? Do you love God tonight with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? I do believe that if we really got honest, we would recognize that as far as our relationship with God is concerned and the questions that we're asking, that there are several different stages. First of all, do you know about God? Well, knowing about God lays the groundwork for you to be able to know God but there are an awful lot of people that know about God, but they don't know God. They know everything. They may know a lot of things, a lot of good Bible doctrine. Now, you'll notice that in the passage that we read, the Jews were commanded to teach this diligently to their children. It was never an idea that you just live godly in front of them and let them grow up, and they'll get it that way. And let me just say, they don't get it that way. The responsibility was for the parents, while their children were growing up, to teach them diligently to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. And that gets back to the use of Scripture and the importance of teaching our children not just the Word of God, but teaching them about the God of the Word of God. There are a lot of people that could quote you all kinds of verses who know about God, but they don't know God. So that leads me to my first point tonight, the difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Because there are a lot of people that know about God, but they don't know Him. Now, we see that even in the Scripture. For instance, turn over to First uh, Samuel, First Samuel chapter 2. Hophni and Phinehas were the wicked sons of the high priest, Eli. They were the next in line that would be taking over, but they were wicked sons. They defiled the sacrifices that were brought in, and they defiled some of the people that brought those sacrifices in. Now, here are the sons of the high priest, and you'll notice in verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, 
Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Underline the rest of the verse. They knew not the Lord. Now they knew about the temple. They knew about everything that they were supposed to do in the temple. They knew about the sacrifices that people would bring to their God. That as sons of the high priest, they would have a part in dealing with that. They knew the language of the temple. They knew the languages about God. They knew at least a good bit of the scripture that they already had. They had to know those those things. They had been trained up in those things, but they did not know God. It says they knew not the Lord. They knew about the Lord. They knew about the things of God. You get over to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and in verse 4. You've got God calling Samuel, and the scripture says in verse 4 that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. But you see, he didn't know the Lord yet either. Because when he heard the call from the Lord, Samuel, Samuel, he went running into Eli. He thought Eli, the high priest, had called him. He did not think that it was the Lord. You go down to verse 19. Verse 19, it says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let any of his words fall to the ground. God gave him a message. What he was doing was learning about God, learning of God. And we find in verse 21 of this same chapter, And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. My, we see how God uses his word. He uses his word to teach us not only who he is, but how to know him. And he always agrees with his word. This is why, by the way, and I'm not preaching on the battle for the Bible right now, but this is why the battle for the Bible is so important. It's so important that we know the words of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We've got an every word Bible. It does matter which Bible you have. I want an every word Bible, not a Bible that cuts bits and pieces and verses out that doesn't translate the words of God, but tries to translate the thoughts according to man's thinking instead of translating the very thoughts of God as God gave it in his word. His word is the key. You'll notice in the passage that we read, it was all about his word. When the apostle Paul gave his testimony, and he did it several places in the New Testament, let's turn over to it, Philippians first of all, Philippians chapter 3. Paul, he's going to tell us, was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. This is a man who grew up believing in a resurrection, all of that. He was a faithful Jew. You'll notice in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Here was a man who lived up as clean as he could possibly live, who sought to serve God, and to him serving God was persecuting those who believed on the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Obviously, he knew about God at that time, but he did not know God. In Acts chapter 22, turn back just a little bit, Acts chapter 22. And notice verses 3 and 4. He says, I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day, and I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. We read his testimony this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where he says before he was a blasphemer. Why? He didn't know God. He knew about God, but he didn't know God. And there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And that's the way the Apostle Paul was until he finally met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And then he said when Jesus first spoke to him, he said, Who art thou, Lord? When he found out it was Jesus, then he surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who he had been persecuting. He was zealous toward the Lord before, but he didn't know the Lord before. You understand, there are a lot of people that know about God, but they don't know God. You take Cornelius in the scripture. In chapter 10, the Bible tells us, chapter 10 of the book of Acts, that Cornelius was a devout man, but he was a lost man. He was devout He knew about God, but he didn't know God. He didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed all the time. He wanted to know God better. He was a little confused because he only knew about God. He didn't know God. Then the angel came and told him to send a messenger to where Peter was, and Peter would come and tell him how to know God. You take the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He knew about God. We find him reading from Isaiah 53. He believed the God of the Bible was the true God. But it wasn't until Philip came along, joined himself to the chariot of this eunuch, and there he introduced the eunuch to Jesus Christ. And when he recognized that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that's when he started to know God. Just please understand there's a big difference between knowing God And knowing about God. Let me ask you tonight. Do you just know about God? Or do you know God? I mean I could think of a number of names of people that I know. Uh, For instance there's an evangelist I know by the name of John Hamlin. And I could tell you a few things about John Hamlin. I would say. uh, Let's see. You take uh, Brother Mike Bailey. And about Mike and John would be about the same height. They got about the same amount of hair on their head. (laughs) Although Mike, we we don't see him in glasses, but John wears glasses. Uh, Now, I'm telling you some things about him. I don't know that if he walked in the room today, you'd still know him any different than any other bald-headed man in the auditorium. But you would know some things about him. You just don't know him. Now, here we are. Unfortunately, 
We're like Eli. We're raising up children that know about the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. They know the system. They know the words. They know some of the doctrines, but they don't know him. Yes, some of them know how to play the game. They can look the part. And, of course, they're all precious to us because they're our kids. They know the facts of Christianity, but they don't know him. I wonder if I was to ask some young people, if I went around the room, do you know God or do you just know about God? Do you know him? Because you've not seen him. Do you know him? We could ask that of adults. Do you know God tonight or do you just know about God? Which is it? Where are you at? When I was young, I, I used to buy baseball cards. When I think of all the baseball cards that I had from the 1950s, 1960s, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris. I mean cards, I mean baseball cards that are worth serious money today. I'd pay a nickel a pack for about seven or eight baseball cards and some bubble gum. And we'd chew that bubble gum, rot our teeth out. Man, it was wonderful. Uh, but I would read. I was a, man, I was a baseball nut, baseball fan. I'd read the backs of the cards. I'd find out how tall these guys were. I'd find out what their weight was. I'd look at their batting averages, how many home runs they hit, how many bases they stole, what the ERA of the pitchers was. And I could tell you about at least something about most of those people that had their face on a Topps baseball card. But I didn't know these people. I just knew about these people. They didn't know me, and they didn't know anything about me, but I knew some things about them, but I still did not know them. There are a lot of people that we have opinions about that are in the news every day, and we've got opinions for good or opinions for bad. We know about them, but we don't know them. A gigantic difference between knowing about God and knowing God. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, the scripture says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, the scripture said in the passage that we read, these truths about God's word that we're to teach God's word diligently to our children. Because if they're going to know him, yes. Those, the Word of God teaches us uh, about God, but it also teaches us how to know God. We've often said Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with a living person. It is someone that you know. Too many people have a God or even a Savior that they have made up in their own mind. Their God would not send anybody to hell. Well, then that's not the God of the Bible. Even Jesus Christ himself said, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Our children know what we teach them in Sunday school, but that doesn't mean they know him. 
We've done our job in teaching them what the Scripture says about Him and teaching them that the Bible is the Word of God. This is the book by which you're going to know Him. Nobody gets saved by simply recognizing His eternal power and Godhead as seen in creation. You get saved by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, which was done for you to pay your sin debt and putting your faith and trust in His work to save you instead of any good thing about you. See, the apostle Paul knew about God, didn't know Him because he was trusting in his own good works to get him to heaven. As a matter of fact, near the end of Deuteronomy, he's about to die, I preached on this not too long ago, but turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. These are some of the very last words of Moses concerned about the young as well as concerned about the old. But he makes an interesting statement in chapter 32, beginning in verse 46. He says, and he said unto them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. And why is that? God had promises for obedience. He said, you need to set your hearts unto all the word of God. We've allowed so much of the world into our home, and that's what our kids are falling in love with instead of the God of the word of God. And the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. But wait, he's not done. He says, for it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. And through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. He says, it is so important that you do this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one of your children dying and going to hell? Think about it. How serious is this? Man, this is your life. I believe every parent here would give their own life if their child was drowning or if they were in a very dangerous situation and it would be, mean risking your life, a good possibility of death to be able to save your child, you'd give your life to do that. Well, imagine your child going to hell. He says, listen, this is your life in light of eternity. This is serious. For them to know God. Because how can they love him if they never know him? The Bible tells us in Judges that after the generation of Joshua, that there arose a generation that knew not God. God gave them the land. They were able to eat of the land. The priests were doing all their work. But when Joshua's generation died off, the next generation didn't even know God. And so in the land flowing with milk and honey, instead of enjoying the milk and honey as they worshiped God, 
They ended up in trial and trouble and subservient to the people of the land over and over again. Imagine, God had warned them. Teach us diligently to your children. If there's one thing you can do in life that have a goal, have your goal to see that they know God. But you know, when it comes to the great commandment, the great commandment is not knowing God. The great commandment is loving God. How are we going to do that? Well, if you're going to know God, first of all, you're going to have to know his word. And note that he said they were to put these words even on their clothes. They were to wear them as frontlets between their eyes. They were to put these words on the doorpost of their house. They were to put these uh, words, the word of God, even on the front gates. The word of God, they were to be faced with that all the time. Go back to here in chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. You get down to verse, oh, let's see, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way. That's what makes it so important for you to have the right music in your home. And to teach them to love the right music. We got way too many young people in this church, man. They can tell you all the rock artists of the day. They know the songs. They know it. You're not going to fill your head and heart with that stuff and love God. It's not going to happen. So important we put the right things in their hearts. We need to be saturated with his word. He told Joshua in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In Psalm 1 and 2, uh, one, verses 1 and 2, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The importance of the word of God. Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Saturated with thus saith the Lord. In John chapter 5, Jesus told the Jews, he said, search the scripture. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. You see, the Jews in Jesus' day, they thought they were going to heaven because they had a Bible. They had words of God. But you can have the written word of God and still die and go to hell. You can have the written word of God and not even be right with God. He told them, search the scripture. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, but they are they, they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. The written word of God points man to the living word of God. If all they have is the written word of God, they're lost. But when they turn to the living word of God that the written word of God is pointing them to, that's when they begin to know God. 
It's important that we understand the difference. Galatians 3.24, now the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. In 2 Corinthians, our 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I don't know why we hate the word doctrine. Well, you see, it's not about doctrine. Oh, it is about doctrine. You've got to believe correctly, and it does matter what you believe. For instance, let's say somebody comes to me. I ask the question, here are three fellas, and I ask the question, how many of you know Wally Bryant? And all three of them raise their hands. And the one guy, I says, now you know Wally? How do you know Wally? He said, well, I've known Wally for a long time, man. He, he's about five foot two. He, he weighs about 123 pounds. He, he's, got, uh, he's got blonde hair. Now, what he is giving me is the doctrine of Wally Bryant. And the more this guy is talking, the more I understand he doesn't know Wally Bryant. I asked another guy, I said, uh, now you say you know Wally Bryant. He said, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's about six foot, six one, somewhere in there. Probably weighs, oh, I don't know, 190 pounds. He's got uh, brown hair, probably getting a little white around it, you know, the, but not much, not much. He, he, he's a nutcase. I said, oh, that's Wally. That is Wally right there. You know him for sure. I asked this other guy, what about you? He said, no, 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 no. The Wally Bryant that I know is six foot six. He's bald as a cue ball. And right away, I know that his description, you understand, the doctrine of Jesus Christ is God's description of the real Jesus. If you have a Jesus who doesn't match the Jesus of the Bible, your doctrine of Christ is wrong. You've got the wrong Jesus. Your Jesus will send you to hell, will keep you on the road to hell. The only way you can possibly worship the right Jesus is to know who he is. You've got to have it right. Now, I'm sorry. In our day and age, in this country, in a lot of our churches, there are a lot of church members who think it doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus as long as you believe in the name of Jesus. No, it does matter what you believe about Jesus. The word of God tells us who he is. And how can you love him? If you've got a different Jesus. Do you just know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Because you can know about Jesus and still die and go to hell. The word of God teaches us who God is. It teaches us who Jesus is. But it does not make us know him. That's still a choice that you have to make. God doesn't make you receive him. The church cannot make you receive him as your savior. If you want to die and go to hell, you can. And neither God the Father, nor God the Son, nor God the Holy Spirit will stop you. God does not want a bunch of robots worshiping him. You see, the, yeah, you, take the, you take the Calvinists, they've got a God who all he did really was out of all the people that would be born, he simply made them spiritual robots. They could only do what he makes them do. 
That's it. I tell you, you can, you can put it up on your computer that every day starts out when you turn it on. Hi, and then gives your name. I love you. I hope you're having a good day today. But I'll be honest with you, it doesn't, three. It doesn't love you. It doesn't love you no matter what. It's just a robot. It has to say that. It was programmed to say it. God did not program us. It's amazing. They want to say that God is almighty, that God is sovereign, that whenever God has a will toward anything, it has to be done. But the Calvinist God cannot, cannot give man a free will. If he's all-powerful, then he can give man a free will. He allows man to make a choice. And all who believe get eternal life and go to heaven. Those who don't die and go to hell, and that's their choice, not his. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, we understand here at this church, we understand that, yes, there is one God and only one true God. All other gods are false gods. But we only come to know God through the person of Jesus Christ, the Christ described in the Bible. But now, let's get down to this. The great commandment is not, thou shalt know the Lord thy God. The great commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Love the Lord thy God. With all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Now, I'm sure if I ask the question, especially with, with heads up and looking at me, if I ask the question, how many here know God, many people would raise their hand. But what about how many people love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Because how can we love him that way? Turn over to the book of John, chapter 14. And perhaps this is not so much of how to love him, but how can I know that I love him? Jesus answered that question for us, and John fills it in for us as well. But in John, chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. Now notice very carefully the words of the Son of God. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me not, I'm sorry, let me, let me get back to this. He that, hath, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So there he makes it very plain. If you love him, what will you do? You'll obey him. If you love him, your desire will be to obey, not his suggestions, but his what? Commandments. All right, so verse 22, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us, not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep 
my words. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So here a second time Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my words. You'll do what he says. But he's not done. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. That's a message given to us by the Son, came to the Son by the Father. If you love him, you'll desire to obey him. Now, if I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I'm not only going to obey him, but I'm going to be reading his commands so I know that I'm obeying him. Word of God was given to that to us for that reason. But if I don't ever read his word, and I'm going to do what I want to do because it's my life, and I can do with it as I please, then, dear friend, I don't love him. And what is the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That is the great commandment of God. That is greater than thou shalt do no murder. That is greater than thou shalt not covet. That is greater than thou shalt not steal. That is greater than thou shalt honor thy mother and father which is the first commandment with promise. The great commandment of God is to love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So the question is, first of all, do you know about God? Or do you know God? And if you know God, do you love him? according to what Jesus said, is the marker that says you love God. Now, go over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. By the way, this is not deep. It may be hard, but it's not deep. I mean, this is, if it's the great commandment of God, this is really basic, isn't it? You look in 1 John chapter 5, he says, beginning in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Well, that's the sign of loving God. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You know why this is so tough? Because we don't love God. If his commandments are not grievous and the love God and the love love for God is keeping his commandments and if we grieve over the thought of the bondage of having to obey him, it's only because we love other things more than we love him. And we think this is such a terrible... And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ obeyed every part of God's word. There wasn't anything that God gave that Jesus disagreed with or Jesus didn't like or that Jesus didn't obey. 
had he disobeyed anything in the word of God, then he couldn't have been the Savior because that would have been sin. For whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So from Jesus' own mouth, we know that to love him is to obey him, and his commandments are not grievous. Oh, man. Can I take you the next step? I mean, this, this is tough. But can we go the very next step? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16. Verse 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Except for here, every other time the word anathema is used in the scripture, it is translated accursed. Here, it's simply translated anathema. It is the strongest word for being accursed that God could give. And what is it? If any man... Love not the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be accursed. This is the great commandment. Do you know about God? Well, you say, yes, I know about God. He is omniscient. He's immutable. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is, he is, he is all. He, is, he, he, he does not change. We can go through a litany of Doctrines about God that tell us that that's the true God, but you can know all of that and not know God. Do you know God? Okay, good. You say, yes, I've taken Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise God, man, that's wonderful. All right. Do you love him? Well, I thought I did. Well, if you love him, if you loved him, you'd obey him. If you loved him. Your heart's desire would be to obey him. But you say, preacher, we're sinners and we do fail. Yes, we do fail. And thank God, he is the God who forgives us over and over and over again. But I'm going to tell you what. When you fail him, if you love him, it hurts you. The problem is, we have too many Christians in our churches today who say they know Jesus. I've got no reason to doubt that. But they're not interested in pleasing him. They're interested in living their life the way they want, regardless of what he says. Those are people who do not love him. Do you understand? So where are you tonight? I have to ask the question, where am I tonight? It should definitely trouble us when we don't obey him. There ought to be a desire to obey him, to live for him, because his word is not grievous. So, Jesus, you want to give us that again? What's the great commandment? 
He's basically saying, you know, it's the same thing it was way back in Deuteronomy. New Testament believers, the great commandment has not changed a bit. The great commandment is exactly the same. To love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The problem at Ephesus, and with this we'll close. The problem at Ephesus. They were still doing church. They were still faithful. They were still busy. They were still working. They were still doing anything. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first what? How serious is that? He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works or else. He wants more than anything else our love that is seen in our living. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm still, can't get past that verse. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. May the Spirit of God allow us to get honest with ourselves tonight. May we allow the Spirit of God to show us whether or not we really do love him. And Lord, there may be somebody tonight here that knows about you, but they don't know you. They've not come to Jesus. I pray, dear God, you'd convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Turn their hearts to you tonight, I pray. And Lord, we will thank you for what you do in each of our hearts and lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name.